Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Making Better Bites. This is your host, Adrienne Wagner, registered dietitian, here to help you understand nutrition and health for everyday life for the everyday person. Follow along as we discuss food and nutrition in an approachable and exciting way that makes things more fun and easier to convert to your everyday life. Let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Better Bites podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you for another episode, and I hope you all have had a great weekend. This past week, I know I said on my last episode, hopefully I'll be done packing up the house, but I had so much stuff going on that it just didn't happen. So I'm, I'm almost done now that I'm, when I am talking to you right now. I'm almost done which is good because we close at the end of the month, but yeah, I was not as productive as I should have been. So partially, you know, I make excuses why I couldn't do it, but also this week I did do a few fun things. I went out for a belated birthday dinner with some of my family and we went to this new Thai restaurant in the area and I haven't been yet and it was so good. It was like the best curry that I've had in a long time and so that was good to be able to hang out with my family and to eat really good food a lot of my family members like my immediate family don't really like Asian Indian kind of foods as much as I do so it's always fun when I get to go Um, when I was in college there was a lot of diverse restaurants in the area and my friends and I would go all the time to eat at like the international restaurants and stuff so I kind of missed the aspect of college and yeah it was good to go again this week and then also we celebrated the 50th wedding anniversary of one of my grandparents and so there was a lot of prep for that at my mom's house and I helped her with that and getting a cake and different things running around so that's kind of what I've been up to this week um I thought I would just continue on discussing the rest of the macronutrients. So last week we did talk a little bit or quite a bit about carbohydrates and why they're important for our body and kind of why it's trendy to not eat carbs or like why people think maybe they shouldn't. But I went over why it was important for us to get them in our body and that they contain a lot of essential nutrients and help our body to have enough energy to function and get through the day. So I thought that I would continue on this week with another macronutrient and that would be proteins. So proteins can be found in both animal animal products, animals, and as well as plants and grains. Um, But they are also an essential nutrient that are the building blocks of a lot of our body's tissues. So that includes our muscles, of course, which everyone always associates with protein, but also our ligaments, our hair, our skin, pretty much everything that makes up us, we need protein for. And um, there are two different types of protein that people will talk about. So There's either a complete protein or an incomplete protein. And all this means is whether or not the protein contains all of the essential amino acids that your body needs. So 
Amino acids are a component of the protein molecule, and they're generally, we recognize that there's 20 of them and total, and 11 of them can be made by the body if you don't have them in your diet, but nine of them cannot be made by the body but are still necessary for us to function and so it's essential that we get those proteins from our diet so basically with animals and animal products those are the main ways that you're going to get complete proteins so that will be like eating chicken beef pork fish eggs different things like that Um, And then there's also actually a few ways you can get complete proteins in plants as well. It's just not very common. And I think the main one that people are aware of is by eating quinoa, quinoa and tofu. So both of those are going to be considered complete proteins as well. And of course, the tofu is made up of soybeans. So it's really the soy that provides the complete protein Uh, tofu is just a soy product so those are the ways that you're going to get complete proteins just from one source and then um, other ways that you can get complete proteins or get all of the proteins that you need can come from protein pairings so people get concerned about like people who are vegetarians or vegans that they aren't going to get enough protein in their diet and that's not true they can definitely get enough protein a lot of people are actually consuming too much protein anyways especially people who eat animal products so um, yeah vegetarians and vegans are capable of getting enough protein in their diets and a way to make sure that they are getting uh, all nine of the essential amino acids that our body needs is by protein pairing. So each plant protein might be missing like one or two amino acids in it to keep it from being a complete protein. So a way you can do that is like if you pair a rice with beans, you're going to get a complete protein, which is great because as many people know, that's a pretty common pairing across multiple cultures. So having rice and beans, or having like a legume and a whole grain, so um, peanut butter, a peanut butter sandwich or peanut butter on toast, as long as it's a whole grain bread, you will get a complete protein that way. So those are just two examples of making complete proteins. And it was thought in the past maybe you had to consume the two protein sources together, so you always had to have the beans with the rice if you were needing a complete protein in your diet and you always had to have the peanut butter with the bread if you're needing a complete protein in your diet but now we know that um, as long as you just consume a variety of foods throughout the day your body is capable of storing those individual amino acids without having to make sure that you are eating them at the exact same time so it is okay maybe you have peanut butter in a smoothie at breakfast and then for lunch you might have whole wheat bread with a veggie sandwich and um you know those amino acids will still come together and form 
the processes that your body needs. So it doesn't actually have to be something that you're eating together at all times, but it can make it easier to make sure that in the back of the, your mind, you are getting all of the essential nutrients that you are eating them together. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but that's kind of where people see like animal versus plant sources of protein and which ones are more beneficial. I think animal protein just makes it easier to get the protein you need and you know for a fact like this is how many grams of protein I'm getting whereas in plants you have to be really diligent about making sure that you're eating a varied diet and getting a lot of different fruits and vegetables and grains and things that you're eating but honestly we all should be doing that anyways we should all be making sure that we're getting a variety of foods so if you were wanting to transition into something a little bit more plant-based and not necessarily being strictly a vegetarian of any kind or strictly vegan, but just focusing more on a plant-rich diet where maybe you're only eating animal products one time or in small amounts throughout the day, but focusing a lot more on plants as your primary source of intake, then that's something to keep in mind to make sure that you are eating a variety of foods and that way you get enough protein without having to worry about it as well as of course all the other nutrients as well so the more varied your diet the more varied your vitamin and mineral intake will be and the more varied fiber you'll get and different things like that so yeah I think a plant-based diet is really interesting and it can really help to change how you are eating in a positive way and it can provide you with a really well-balanced diet where you aren't over consuming foods that are maybe more saturated fat heavy or more like sodium containing things like that so it's something to consider if you're looking to make an overall wellness change something that will improve the functions in your body and improve your overall health in lots of various ways so what exactly does a protein do for us you might be wondering and like i said before it helps to build and repair tissues so of course we all know that in our muscles like when you exercise or do like a lot of weightlifting or weight bearing cardio different things like that you are going to make small tears into your muscle tissue and then your muscle tissue repairing itself is what allows you to build more muscle over time so in order for your body to be able to repair those tissues and build up more muscle mass you need proteins to help form the muscle so that is a big thing that they do for us that a lot of people are already aware of but also some other things that your that protein will help you do is to make the enzymes in your body and to create hormones that your body needs to regulate itself as well. So uh, what enzymes do, a lot of times they are going to be the component that breaks down different things. So like 
So an example of an enzyme would be salivary amylase. So that would be an enzyme that is in your saliva and it's the main enzyme in your mouth. And the function of that enzyme is to be the initial breaking down of carbohydrates in your mouth. So obviously there's the breaking down that is physical or what they call mechanical breakdown, which is the chewing of the food and it moving around in your mouth. But there's also the first chemical reaction for any food breakdown is of carbohydrates within your mouth and that's the job of salivary amylase to break down the carbs and to start breaking them down the sugars so that is why with different foods like when you're feeding a baby you don't want to put their spoon back their spoon into their mouth and then back into their food and then into their mouth and back into their food and then save that food for later because those enzymes are present in their saliva and then the enzymes will be in the food and if you put it back into the fridge for later for them to eat at another time the food can spoil or be broken down and you won't want the baby to eat it because some of their saliva has made it into the food and breaks starts breaking down those carbohydrates so it can go bad and you don't want the baby to eat it later because it can make them sick or another example is like say you're eating yourself are eating yogurt and you're eating it out of a container and you decide that you want to save the rest for later well you can't really do that because Again, the salivary amylase has made it from your mouth onto your spoon and then multiple times back in to the yogurt container. And so when you put that in the fridge, your saliva will continue to break down the yogurt and it makes it so that you shouldn't be eating it again later. So that's kind of how your enzymes work, an example of that. So that's just a little side note, something to keep in mind. And then our hormones, we have multiple different hormones. So we have our thyroid hormones, we have our adrenal hormones, we have our sex hormones. And all of these hormones help to regulate functions in our body. So they help our body processes and without them, we would not be able to maintain homeostasis or any kind of level steady state for ourselves. Protein is going to help to build bones, build muscles, build cartilage, skin, blood. It's really present in everything in your body, like I said earlier. So an an example of like a skin protein is going to be collagen. And there has been a lot of talk around like collagen supplements and things over the last few years. And they've been, they've become pretty trendy. And I'm not really sure the science behind it and if the body can actually use that collagen typically collagen has been seen as like a negligible protein so you don't really absorb it like a typical protein because it doesn't have the same amino acids necessarily but i know a lot of people have said that maybe taking the collagen supplements also just helps with their gut health and helps with their intestines and things so i think that there's something to be said for it i just don't personally know a whole lot about it so i don't want to speak on it but that is a popular supplement right now and um it is it is the protein that's present in our skin that helps with our elasticity and like tightness of our skin 
Um, I'm not really sure the correlation between taking the supplement and whether or not it actually helps your body to produce more collagen or that you can use that collagen to help build more collagen in your skin to make it tighter. I'm not really sure things behind that, but that is the, that is the protein in your skin that helps to keep it taut. And then just like with the carbohydrate section last podcast, um, I ended with some common myths about carbohydrates. So I also want to talk about some myths that are associated with proteins. So the first one is that vegetarians and vegans cannot get enough protein from plants. And I had talked about this earlier with the complete and incomplete proteins, but basically, yeah, the reason that that's not true is that there are plenty of complete and incomplete sources of protein that vegetarians and vegans can get their protein from. And um, that can be, you know, tofu, tempeh, soybeans in general, soy milk. Those are all sources of complete proteins, quinoa. And then also with vegetarians, there are multiple types of vegetarians. So there's the lacto-vegetarian, or you can be an ovo-vegetarian, or you can be a a pescatarian. And so all of those types of vegetarianism do allow different types of proteins or like animal products into their diet. Um, So if you're a lacto-vegetarian, you still consume dairy products. If you're an ovo-vegetarian, you still consume eggs. And then if you're a pescatarian, you still allow fish into your diet. So that is another way also that vegetarians can get enough protein is by having small animal sources that they do still consume as well. And then the next myth to discuss is that we need to eat between 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per one pound of our body weight and more can be needed for muscle gain. So I think what happened is that people got confused about how the grams of protein that we eat convert into our weight because the actual recommendation for protein, just like a lot of the nutrients that we have, comes in kilograms. And obviously in the United States, we don't really work with kilograms very often, but in the medical sense, we do discuss kilograms often when it comes to formulas that we use to calculate like protein needs, carb needs, daily energy expenditure, and how many calories you need, how many calories you're burning. There's lots of places that are in dietetics where we discuss our body weight in kilograms and our protein needs, like I said, are one of them that we discuss in kilograms. And if you don't know, for one pound of our body weight is 2.2 kilograms of body weight. So for people to say that we need 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per one pound of body weight, you're actually more than doubling the amount of protein that's recommended, which can cause harm for your body to have too much protein. So the actual recommendation is really 0.8 to 1 gram per 1 kilogram of body weight. And um, there is some information starting to come out now that perhaps even for a 
average person who is exercising, not even like an athlete necessarily, but someone who is spending a lot of time doing weightlifting and things, it might be up higher to 1 to 1.3 grams of protein in order to build and maintain that muscle for that higher exercise volume that you're doing, but it's still only a maximum of 1.3-ish per kilogram of body weight. It never goes into pounds of body weight. So just keep that in mind when people recommend things because there is a disconnect between what your body weight is and what what the actual recommendation is referring to. So uh, the next one is that protein powder is sufficient to replace whole protein sources and that it's the best post-workout option or the only post-workout option is to have protein powder. And again, this, this is not true. Protein powder should not replace whole protein sources. Um, protein powder is just a man-made substance where they take proteins out of different sources and isolate them and make them into a powder and add like artificial sweeteners or sugar or artificial flavors and different things in order to make them taste good. And yes, it's a quick source of protein, but your body can't necessarily process the high amounts of protein that are present in these supplements. And it also is not a replacement for a whole protein source because it's always better to have real food first if you can. Um, So a really common way that people get protein powders and the most mainstream original whey was through whey protein. So whey is one of the two proteins that's present in milk. There's two proteins called whey and casein. And a lot of protein powders use whey protein in order to give you that protein source and they just isolate the protein and then, like I said, add other things to it, make it into a powdered form, and then you can consume it. Um, But now there's also, of course, the vegetarian or vegan sources. So a lot of times they'll isolate like pea proteins or maybe like proteins that you can find in grains or I've seen like pumpkin seed proteins and things like that. And while all of those things are great, it's not as good as consuming the whole source. And... Um, yeah, the other part that this protein powder is the best post-workout option for you. It's an easy option and it's convenient and, you know, you can do it, but it doesn't have to be the only option that you take. So I think, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people know this, but maybe they don't, but the ratio of carbohydrates to protein that is present in flavored milks, so like chocolate milk, strawberry milk, vanilla milk, the ratio of carbohydrates and proteins that are found in those milks is actually the perfect ratio for post-workout recovery, and it provides you with the best muscle um, and body recovery after you have any kind of like exercise session, especially like um, weightlifting sessions. So That's a really inexpensive way that you could be replacing your energy after a workout and getting protein in for your muscles is by having, depending on, of course, your size and your age and your activity level, a glass or two of flavored milk, and that'll provide you with the right amount of carbohydrates to 
proteins that you need in order to properly recover and refuel your muscles for muscle gain and muscle repair. So that's a really inexpensive option that you can do. And of course, you can also just have a meal that contains any kind of protein following your workout. I think that a lot of people tend to exercise in a gym and maybe then they're going somewhere after they're at the gym or they're just really busy or maybe they just don't make it home within that like recommended 30 minute window of consuming protein and carbohydrates post-exercise. So that's where the powders are convenient because you can shake them up right when you're done with your workout and drink it on your way home, which is totally fine. Just don't make it be your primary and only source of protein. And the next myth is that more protein equals a faster weight loss. And this isn't true also because at a certain point, your body can't use the extra protein that you're consuming for anything. So it just becomes fat storage, just like consuming any of the nutrients in excess can lead to your body storing it as fat. The same goes for protein. So if you're eating an extremely high protein diet, not only can it cause problems for your digestion because protein can be difficult for your digestive system to break down, but it also causes problems in the amount of fat that you're storing because extra protein is going to be stored as fat. So it's not necessarily equivalent to a faster weight loss. Not getting enough protein in your diet can cause problems with weight loss. And like I said, of course, muscle building and different things like that. And so you want to make sure that you're getting adequate protein, but getting too much or getting excessive amounts of protein in your diet is not going to get you to lose weight any faster. And then finally, I wanted to talk about getting all protein needs in one or two meals is healthy and that's an okay way to go about consuming your protein. And again, this isn't a great way to treat your body. You know, you don't want to consume all of the protein that you need for the day in one or two meals just because that can be hard for your digestive system to break down mass amounts of protein, but it also means that you could be consuming an excess for what your body can break for what your body can use at that point in time so then it will just be stored as fat because your body can only use so much protein at one time so it's believed about maybe 30 grams of protein is adequate for one meal and that's about the maximum that your body can absorb And then anything beyond that can then be stored as fat if your body doesn't need it at the time. So it's best to spread your protein throughout the day, trying to have some in every meal and in snacks as well, because it will help to keep you full longer and it will help your body run more efficiently and you can use the protein more effectively rather than consuming large amounts at one time. So that is pretty much everything I wanted to talk about with protein for now, just going over it as a basic macronutrient. If you guys have any questions about protein or want me to discuss anything any further beyond what I talked about today, or maybe explanation on anything I said, feel free to reach out to me. I will put in my show notes my 
email address. You can also follow me on Instagram at betterbytes underscore RDN. And you can find my Facebook page as well. You can follow along there. I try to provide you guys with recipe ideas and different facts about nutrition and things that you can get involved with. So you can message me there as well and follow along if you would like some more information about nutrition and seeing how I apply it in my day-to-day life. So I hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you next time. And don't forget to keep on making better bites.